0: Today we are gonna be in John uh, chapter one, verses 29 through 34. And it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, You may be seated. Um, Pray with me. God, we thank you for this season of Advent. We thank you that you have brought us here and that we can take a deep breath and we can just pause. And God, we ask that uh, that you just give us hope in this time and you help us to see who you are more clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. So, like we saw and like we experienced just a little bit ago, today is the first day of Advent. And Advent is supposed to be a season of hope and joy and love and a season of waiting, a season of trusting. I would say that we're currently living in a time though where there's a lot of fear and hostility and anxiety, which can often seem a little bit bigger and a little bit more consuming than hope at times. This season specifically, I deeply feel the need not just for our community, but for myself, to be reminded of what Kevin talked about a few weeks ago, that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and we are not to be overcome with anxiety and fear, but we are to be overcome by hope. This season is not not supposed to be a a sprint or a season of frenzy or chaos, but a time of... slowing down, and stopping, and creating a space to hope. So today we are going to talk about hope, which hope, if you've ever tried to define or think about, it's a really kind of a complicated uh, word. It's similar to the word love, right? We use it in a lot of different areas, we li- or in a lot of different ways. So I will say, I love chocolate, I love cheeseburgers, I love lamp, I love coffee, I love my couch, I love my new sweatshirt. I love my kids, I love my husband, I love Jesus. And when I say I love chocolate, and when I say I love my daughters, I hope those are on different levels, right? Those mean dif- different things, or they should, hopefully. They do though. Um, but I think hope is similar. So we're gonna do a little bit of an activity right now. I know I, we did an activity with everybody last week too. You had to participate, and you have to participate again today, this is so great. So I want you guys to grab out a piece of paper and a pen. If you have a, ki- kids, if you have your clipboard, hold it up in the air real quick because you get to participate too. We need you. Um, if you are going to write on your phone, I'm going to challenge you right now. Do not touch your Instagram little app or don't touch your texting or check anything. Just simply open your notes section for you to write this down. And all I want you to do, you have 30 seconds to write as many things as possible. I want you to fill in the blank. Finish this sentence. It says, I hope, so I hope for, I hope that, I hope. And be honest, right now, what are some things that you are hoping for in your life? All right, go ahead and shout some of those out to me. What are people ho- hoping for? And it can be anything. There's no embarrassing thing. Benj, Benjamin. Okay. Uh, You'll hope that it'll snow. Great example. What else? You can just shout it out. Oh, this is sad. What? I don't want to get lost. I don't want to get lost. I hope I don't get lost. Change, you hope for change? For healing? Oh, amen. Hope for sleep? (laughs) Guys, is this, no one else? Are we not hoping for anything right now? This talk is really needed, I think, in this community. (laughs) Yes, Millie. A new baby. You hope for a new baby, this is great news. Eric, congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so great. I am so excited for you guys. We'll throw you a great party, this is gonna be awesome. I hope for that too, Millie. Um, Ella? For what? For Legos, yes. This brings up my great point. I actually, I didn't have as much faith as you, as in you guys as adults as I did in the kids. So, as I was preparing for this talk, I went to my most trusted research team and I asked them what they were hoping for, which obviously they gave way better answers, or more answers than you guys did. You guys should feel shamed. So here are some of the things that other kids said. It said, I hope for Santa. I hope you have a good day. Thank you. I hope that mama will stay alive. I hope mama will never let me go to jail. I hope <laughs> that Santa comes every day. And I hope that, this is my favorite one, that Julie will be my best friend forever. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I really like that. Um, I hope that, we, that I can throw a football really far, valid. I hope that people will have friends. I, I wish I could do this one justice, but it's, I hope my ballet teacher teaches me something more awesome, like dancing, like real dancing, like awesome <laughs> dancing in real ways. That one was sent on a video. I considered playing it because it was so cute. Um, I hope my sister has a good birthday. I hope I get a Nintendo s- Switch for Christmas. I hope that Santa will come again. I hope for world happiness. So right there's a huge things of range that we hope or a huge range of things that we hope for. Everything from hoping that you have a good day to hoping for world happiness, and those are two huge things. And there are many different depths to when we use the word hope, right? Um, this is a three-part activity, and for the second part I want you to write down the definition of hope. Without looking it up on your phone, I want you to take 30 seconds and just go ahead and write down what you think the definition of hope is. Okay, and now I want you to turn to somebody next to you and ask them what they think the definition of hope is. And if you're sitting next to a kid, I'm gonna tell you, ask them, because they are better than the adults next to you. All right, I again asked my research team and here are some of their answers. And it says, somebody age eight says, hope means to depend and trust someone. Hope means I really want something, but I don't have it. So I hope I get it next time. (laughs) Hope is kind of like believing, wanting to believe something is happening. Wanting to know, it's kind of like wanting and believing. It's the opposite of giving up not because i stop wanting it but because i stop believing in it that yeah <laughs> right <laughs> I'm telling you ask the kids hope is joyful it's excited about it's being excited about something like you want it like you want it to be i think hope means that you wish something or would do anything for that person i think hope is love hope means you really hope you have something something you really like Hope means to be fearless. If you put your hope in something, you put your trust in something because hope is kind of like trust. I think we have pretty smart kids here. Let's, <laughs> let's just give it up for those kids. Because when I looked it up in the dictionary, it said hope is to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true, or to expect with confidence a desire accompanied by expectation or a belief in fulfillment. Those are all good definitions, but I love what the kid said. And this is what I'm talking about. There's such a depth to the word hope. Yes, there's desire, but it's far more than a wish or a want. When you hope for something, there's anticipation and trust and love and a belief in fulfillment, which sets us up for the last part. And this is the last time I'll ask you to participate for about 10 minutes. For my last question, I asked them, if someone said that their hope is in Jesus, what do you think they would mean by this? So right now, again, I want you just to take 30 seconds and I want you to write down what that means to you. What does it mean for you to have your hope in Jesus? We are not gonna share this one. This is something that I want you to think about, though, um, this week, talk about it, talk about it with your small group. But I did ask them again, and this is what some of the kids said. Said, I think when people say I put my hope in Jesus, They mean they believe in him. Hope in Jesus means they love Jesus and they hope Jesus will stay alive. Means that they are believing in Jesus. They believe that Jesus will do something to make the world better. It means that you believe in Jesus. It means they believe in him. It means they follow him. Hope means they believe in them and stuff. (laughs) Hope in Jesus means they are hoping that Jesus is alive and real. Hope in Jesus means they trust they love and they care for Jesus. This week, uh, like I said, I really hope that we can hope. I really hope that we can think about it. That go to coffee with somebody and ask them what their hope in Jesus means, and really just create the space to see if you have been living that out in your life. But like I said, today we've been we live in a culture of a society that is filled with fear from the polarizing cl- political climate to racial and social injustice, to mass shootings, to disease and destruction. We are a society that feels unsettled and a bit like we constantly need to keep our head up and our defenses up to look out for whatever is coming next. And this leaves us fearful because we have exchanged our hope in Christ for a hope in politics, for a hope in doctors, a hope in safety or a hope in comfort, a hope in finding our value through our job or through parenting or through community. And all these things are definitely a part of our lives and they should be. But if these are the things that we put our hope in, our trust in, we will be disappointed because these things will fail us. We cannot depend on them. And ultimately, when we put our hope in things like this, we will find ourselves anxious and fearful, stressed out and discouraged, devalued and feeling less than. Instead of being fearless and full of love and anticipation, filled with anticipation and trust. But this season, let's put our hope in the only one who can give us hope, Jesus. But I want to be clear, a hope in Jesus is not the same as simply wanting our circumstances to get better. That is obviously not a bad desire. It is a great desire to have. But a hope in Christ is so much more than that. The Henry Nouwen Society page says it this way. Optimism and hope are radically different attitudes. Optimism is the expectation that things, the weather, human relationships, the economy, the political situation, and so on will get better. Hope is a trust that God will fulfill God's promises to us in a way that leads us to true freedom. The optimist speaks speaks about concrete changes in the future The person of hope lives in the moment with the knowledge and trust that all of life is in good hands. Man, I love that line. Hope is the trust that God will fulfill God's promises to us in a way that leads to true freedom. Because Jesus is the source of life, the source of true freedom, true hope can lie in Christ and Christ alone. So let's look back at our passage. This short passage And just these five verses, they speak directly to why we can have hope and have our hope live in Christ. The first thought from this passage that gave me hope was a quote from John the Baptist himself. It says, I myself did not know him. And that's the quote. Great, right? Some of you guys are looking at me like, oh, Julie, you are failing. Um... This may sound strange, but I love this, and I wanted to start here for a reason, because this is absolutely us, right? John admits that he himself did not recognize Jesus, and he says it twice in in these five verses alone as he's meeting Jesus. In verse 31, it says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, and then it goes on again to say in 33, I myself did not know him. This is John the Baptist confessing this, the one preparing the way, the one hoping for, the one telling us all about the Messiah who is coming, and he says, I did not even recognize him. According to Dale Bruner, he says, he is confessing his own slowness in coming to faith. The fact that he will report this, his failure, a second time tells us that his failing is not an accidental, aside in his sermon, but that it is somehow an integral part of his Christ proclamation. I myself needed outside help to recognize him. Our birth into the family of God, even John the Baptist's, is not the result of our heritage, or of our willpower, or of our passion. None of these personal credentials or resources brought even the Baptist to the true knowledge of Christ, he openly admits. John needed the Spirit. Because this is a partnership with the Spirit. We can't get there on our own. Yes, John was looking and hoping and waiting, but the Spirit was the one who revealed. The Spirit moved. And there are going to be times in our walk when following Christ seems easy, when having hope in Jesus feels as simple as breathing. But there are going to be plenty of times where it isn't, where life is confusing and where life is hard and where life is broken. And there will be times where we place our hope in things outside of Jesus and sometimes way outside of Jesus. John the Baptist does not recognize Jesus right away. And maybe it's because he was really focused on his task at hand of trying to introduce Jesus, or maybe it was because Jesus was waiting for the right time to reveal himself, we don't know. But this allows me to take a breath this season, and here's why. Because we are not always gonna get it right. We're gonna lose sight of where our hope is. We're gonna lose sight of where our hope should lie this season, maybe even when we walk out of here today, hopefully not. We're going to miss Jesus or not recognize Jesus or place our hope elsewhere when Jesus is standing right in front of us. But when this happens, it doesn't mean that we are a failure or that we should give up. It means that we should ask for help. We should be constantly asking the spirit to move and move in us. Because we can have a hope in Christ not simply because we're passionate or work hard or because we practice looking to Jesus. Yes, these things are all good and are all important and are all part of it but we can have a hope in Christ because the Spirit gives it to us. That is where hope comes from. In this season specifically, I am asking the Spirit to give me hope, to help me recognize Jesus, to help me place my hope in him and him alone. John was looking and waiting, waiting with hope, hope in the Messiah, he didn't recognize him right away, but he didn't stop hoping either. And then through this gift of the Spirit, he saw Jesus and experienced him. And then you can hear his excitement, right? He says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Even after he doesn't recognize him, once he does, you can hear his trust, his belief, and his hope. And that is the same for us. Which leads me to the next part of this passage that gave me hope. Because in verse 29, John gives us the good news. This is why we can have hope. John identifies Jesus and gives us the good news as an introduction of Jesus himself. In verse 29, he says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember, Jesus is coming onto the scene. This is the beginning of his ministry. He has not died on the cross yet. They don't know he's going to die. But even that, John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God. But not only that, listen to how he says it. In his commentary on the Gospel of John, Dale Bruner translated it from the Greek, and it says, Look. The lamb of the God, the one who is taking away the sin of the world. It's a lot of thes. But here's why. Bruner goes on to say, I intentionally, though it was a bit awkward, kept all five of the the thes. Each definite article wants to make its own definite point. Jesus is not just one among many lambs given by one of many gods. As one of many possible liberators from only some of our deep sin for only a portion of the entire world. He is the Lamb of the one God who is the liberator from the entire sin of the whole cosmos. This is an immense affirmation. That is beautiful. Sit with that for a moment. Look, the lamb of the God, the one who is taking away the sin of the world. But not only that, look at the activeness of it. It says taking away. It doesn't say that he took or he's going to take, but that Jesus is actively taking because Jesus is actively moving and working and redeeming, which is why we get these glimpses of the kingdom here and now. Yeah, we live in a broken world, but Jesus is active and living and breathing and moving. And when we put our hope in Jesus and we experience Jesus' movement, we start to experience true fulfillment. A fulfillment of his promises. And not the promise that everything's gonna be comfortable or safe or easy and happy, but the promise that he is exactly who he says he is and that he is our liberator. And as Jesus is actively liberating us, the good news becomes even greater because the cross doesn't simply save us from our sins. As Kevin and I were talking about this this week, we were having a conversation just about this idea of hope and the cross and what it all means, and he reminded me of something that one of our good friends says, and it's one of my favorite statements. Our friend Kent says that the good news isn't just about what we're saved from, it is also what we are saved for. This is active. Jesus is saving you, not just from something, but for something. You see, God made us. God made you, and he made you beautifully. And God loves you, and not God loves you if, or not God loves you when, but God loves you. You are made in his image, and that means you are made with beauty and goodness that only comes from love. N. T. Wright wrote something similar when he wrote, according to the book of Revelation, Jesus died in order to make us not rescued non-entities, but restored human beings with a vocation to play a vital part in God's purposes for the world. So if we stop at the cross at simply thinking about what we are saved from, we miss a huge part of the gospel, a huge part of the good news. God has saved us for Him, for us to experience the depth of a life in Christ, for us to experience hope in Christ, for us to get even just a glimpse of what Jesus sees in us. You have purpose, you have value, and it was placed in you by Jesus Himself. You have a vital part to play in God's purposes for the world. You are not just saved from sin, but you are saved for a life with Christ, which is a life full of depth and promise, and that is great news. And because of that great news, we can place our hope in Jesus. The third and final idea that truly moved me in this passage was a simple but powerful phrase, and it's how he starts it off. The passage starts out by saying, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And that's all. That's so significant, you guys, because that is who Jesus is. Jesus was moving towards John. When John saw Jesus, he saw Jesus moving towards him, not the other way around. We can have hope in Christ because Christ moves towards us. And if it was on me, or if it was on us, If our hope was solely based on us being the ones constantly moving towards him, we would be able to have hope for short amounts of time, but it wouldn't last. The heart of Jesus is to come to his people. And I'll admit that I sometimes mix this up. I feel like sometimes I need to chase Jesus or find him, like he's hiding. And a hunger to know God and following Jesus is a beautiful thing, but when we turn that into us hunting for Jesus, into some big cosmic game of hide and seek, we have our theology mixed up. Because Jesus pursues us and he doesn't stop. And again, it's not that Jesus comes towards us when, or Jesus comes towards us if, but it's Jesus moves towards us and Jesus moves towards you. Because Jesus loves you, Jesus is constantly moving towards you, and he's alive and is active and is pursuing you. Because that's what the story of Christmas is, right? The story of Christ. And really, the love story of the whole Bible is all about Jesus coming towards us. And that is why we can have hope. He's coming to us, God with us, Emmanuel. And like I said earlier, we are going to continue this service and enter into a time of worship through music and communion. And I'm going to invite you guys to the table in remembrance that this is Christ's body broken for you and that this is his blood shed for you. The Jesus who pursues you, who not only saves you from something, but saves you for something. Jesus, the source of our true hope. And we're going to pray. And as we pray and as the band comes up, Um, If you are near a kid, I just want you to kind of wrap your arms around one of your kids, and we're going to pray for them as well as we send them up to practice their kids' song. So if you guys will pray with me. God, we are so thankful that you are our hope. We are so thankful that you saved us from sin, but that you also saved us for something. God, we are thankful that you let us mess up, that we sometimes don't recognize you, but that you are there still, and that you are pursuing us and loving us and coming towards us. Um, God, I ask uh, that you will just bless this time that we have in worship through song, Lord. That you will just meet us where we're at, and God, that you will fill us with a hope that can only come from you and come from your spirit. God, be with these sweet kids as they head upstairs. Lord, we ask that you will just make yourself known to them, um, that you will allow them just to experience you and your deep love for them. In your name we pray, amen.